on this week's show. From investment banking to running GM's next generation transportation, we are joined by General Motors Vice President Julia Stain on AutoLine this week. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today's topic is going to be all about mobility, the big disruptor coming to the automotive industry. We'll be talking about ride sharing and car sharing and autonomous cars because all of that is going to change the automotive landscape. My special guest for the day, Julia Stain, the Vice President of Urban Mobility Solutions at General Motors. Also joining us, John Volker, the editor of Green Car Reports, and Rebecca Lindland, the Senior Director of Commercial Reports for Kelly Blue Book. Great having all three of you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. As you heard me say, Julia, all this mobility stuff is really interesting, really going to potentially change the industry as we know it. Now you're overseeing all that for General Motors. My first question to you is, what is GM doing with all this? And, and I, don't mean, I don't mean from just trying to build the cars and all that. But clearly, General Motors sees a business behind all this. And can you just give us sort of the elevator speech of where you see that going from a business standpoint? Automotive and transportation industry are changing rapidly. And that's because our customers are evolving. I live in New York. And to the concept of owning the car, putting it in the garage, paying $1,000 parking per month, um, and let the car sit there for 95, 96% of the time idle is just ludicrous. Our customers are looking to access for transportation, not just ownership. And that's where our newest brand, Maven, comes in. Maven is our new service platform that really goes after providing frictionless and seamless access to the transportation. And Maven, of course, is a ride share or a car sharing program where I can go and use a car or somebody else can go use the same car. Maven is uh, focused on the car share applications. Um, it was, the brand was launched uh, six months ago in January. So six months later, we have a new brand, the first one um, at General Motors since Saturn. Um, so we launched a brand. We launched seven markets with three customer products. Our customers have driven more than 4.7 million miles. So there's great growth in this area. And uh, very important, um, it looks from the customer acceptance standpoint uh, and all the estimates that, again, the customer reality suggests uh, that this growth will continue almost five-fold in the next five years. And, and let's talk about that growth from a monetary standpoint. At the Ford Motor Company, for example, Mark Fields, the CEO, talks about how if you look at all the revenue all the car companies in the world generate, it comes to about $2.3 trillion, a massive amount. But when you look at all the mobility, all the transportation, not including airplanes and the like, but ground transportation, he says it's twice that much, $5.4 trillion. Is this what GM is getting into all this for because it sees a new business opportunity? Mobility is a huge business opportunity for General Motors, and uh, it's additive to our current business. The ownership of the car is going to maintain strong in um, the middle of America. That's where GM is also very strong with our cars, trucks, and um, SUVs. And where we are additive is in the urban areas. 
Um, people who use Maven may have never considered getting into the GM vehicle, and now they can get so seamlessly. Maven um, technology allows um, the connection between the car and the customer to be frictionless. You pick up the phone, you make a reservation, you go to the car with the phone, get in the car and drive. That's as simple as one, two, three. So we get customers in GM vehicles that uh, would have never considered, and our dealers um, may not have uh, gotten through the testing um, and the test drive. So we are very excited to target uh, this new population. And also, more importantly, we are very excited um, at Maven to fill the customer need. I guess one of the questions I have is, if you are successful in attracting this user base, which uses the cars, presumably some of them, as you said, will translate into buyers. How do your dealers feel about being only the last point in a process where you're going to own the buyers or the customers much through much more of the process, as opposed to their first touch point with your brands being a dealership? It's a very good question. Um, in fact, uh, we have close um, partnership with the dealers. I get um, I get asked this a lot. Uh, aren't your dealers going to be unhappy about um, Maven going to, into the mobility space? But reality is, as I already mentioned, we are showing the cars to the new audience. Number two, dealers do provide all the warranty service and the service um, uh, the vehicles for for Maven and all of our products that we have regionally. So we look at it as a very strong long-term partnership and enabler for Maven to grow. And uh, General Motors, of course, owns Maven. That's a new brand that you uh, created. It also invested heavily in Lyft. Where do you see the distinction between car sharing, like Maven, where anybody can go and share a car, versus ride sharing, like Lyft, competitor to Uber, where one car can go and pick up different people. How do you see that market shaking out? I'll start by saying what um, what we see as um, as an important future, and um, it has a couple of pillars. One of this connectivity, another one alternative propulsion, autonomous, and mobility. So when you take that into account and you fast forward um, into the future, um, we see consumers using transportation as a service, and in the future, autonomous service. So what building blocks do we need? to put today, and what is the customer need today? Maven is focused on the car sharing space, um, where, again, the customer uses, our average Maven customer uses the vehicle for 9, 10 hours. That's the average reservation. So that's the errands that's going on the weekend, that's going to Costco, Ikea. There's a strong partnership with Lyft, who provide ride sharing, which for customers is a very different use case scenario. Where to intersect is actually a good testament to our strong partnership from the very get-go and good chemistry with Lyft. We launched Express Drive um, literally months after consummation of our investment. And um, Maven provides um, vehicles uh, to the drivers for Lyft, um, which again allows to uh, ride-sharing to grow in many cities in the United States. So when you put these capabilities towards autonomous future, we all play an important role um, how we are going to manage um, the transportation as a service element. How is autonomy going to, to play into all this? I know General Motors is investing heavily in autonomous driving. 
how far away are we from having autonomous lift cars and autonomous Maven cars? I would say probably sooner than anybody anticipates. And uh, again, I'm coming back to customer acceptance of all of this. I, I, I believe that customers are ready for an autonomous vehicle. I think there is a lot of uh, partnership and a lot of hurdles to overcome uh, to make sure that uh, the vehicles are safe um, as they should be for our consumers. So we're working on that, both on the uh, side of uh, building the right roadmap, uh, uh, how to deploy them and also on the technology side. But um, I, I will iterate that General Motors is very aggressive in this space and will continue to be. Rebecca, how do you see it uh, all developing? I mean, uh, GM's doing all this work. It seems every time I turn around, another car company is announcing uh, some new investment in car sharing and ride sharing. How big does the market become? I think there's a lot of opportunity for mobility. If you look at it demographically, we have people, you know, we have a huge bubble of younger people and the millennials and the Gen Y generation. But then we also have the aging baby boomer population, which is a great opportunity for them to be able to stay more mobile, whether it's through an autonomous vehicle, car sharing, ride sharing. You know, we often see baby boomers downsizing. Sometimes they'll move back into the city. And this way they're able to whether they're ride sharing or they just don't want the expense of a vehicle, they're able to still get around and to still get to where they want to go without all the responsibilities of a vehicle or if they can't drive anymore. I see it as a great opportunity for disabled people as well. Again, providing them with more opportunities to, for independence and to be able to get themselves around. And that's also where I think when we think about some of these fleets and what's in them, understanding all these different needs where somebody that's going to be older may not want to have to climb up into a Tahoe but somebody who is in you know peak physical condition is going to head out to Ikea as you mentioned you know that's exactly what they need and I remember years ago I looked at the migration of Zipcar and their fleet and initially they started out with you know small compact cars and they gradually moved into small crossovers into other different types of vehicles because if you live in the city, ironically, we all live in, in or close to Manhattan, but you know, if you don't need a small car for what you need a car for. You can grab a taxi or, or, or a Lyft. When you need a bigger vehicle is when you are going out into the suburbs and you're braving the suburbs and going shopping and doing a major shopping or you're going away for the weekend with friends. You don't need a, a small car. You need something larger. So, I, so what? I, one of the things I'd love to see is a really careful analysis of understanding who's going to be using this and what you put in those fleets, how, what the inventory is of those different fleets. In spite of um, young people so connected on the phone, in real lives, we feel that they're very lonely and disconnected. And um, again, our product, um, like residential car sharing, when um, you get to share the car with your neighbors, we had several promotions like date nights. And um, this has been incredibly popular because people want that human connection. So when I really think about what MAVEN stands for, it's really the enabler of the experiences. It's the idea that you can just seamlessly uh, get in the car and be there with your friends and really put the word freedom back to association with a vehicle, which has been lost in the urban environment. So Cox Automotive, which is the parent company of Kelly Blue Book, they recently did a study on Gen Z. 
and it's basically you know zero to fifteen year old kind of thing. My son. And it was really fascinating. Some of the results were so different. These are kids that don't have any idea what it's like to never live with technology and actually a lot of their lives are so saturated with it that they are looking for the opportunity to disconnect and to not always be on social media and to get out more and to live a different lifestyle because they are just they've never not been on Facebook they've never not known a life and, and their whole lives from the time they're born their parents have put their pictures on Facebook and so what we really found was that they actually have a very different attitude and, and you know we were, we were talking earlier about Pokemon Go like this idea that you're getting people out into the you know away from their TV set away from their couches and I think when you look at at some of the constraints of that particularly in the city you know you pro you're providing people with an opportunity opportunity to get out into the country to go exploring without making the significant financial commitment that is a car. Hmm. I, expanding on the earlier point you made about the different demographics, um, and I happen to have parents who are now in the stage where their mobility is somewhat limited by their driving capabilities. When I look at all of the studies, and predicting the future is always dangerous, but... <laughs> you know you're going to be wrong. <laughs> when I look at the studies, I'm amazed by the breadth of the predictions. On the one end, there's this notion, you use the word additive, there's the notion that in fact services like this, both car sharing and ride sharing, will be largely additive. And certainly I've talked to urban planners who are a little nervous that all of a sudden we'll have more vehicle miles traveled mm -hmm. on roads that have been designed for what we have now. On the other hand, I've seen studies that say that down the road with autonomy, once driving is something that you select to do, but you may not want to do it in lousy rush hour traffic, that in fact we will have many fewer vehicles that work much harder. That 95% that you referred to goes down to 70%. Where do you think this all ends up in sort of a couple of decades for the volume of vehicles in the world and the ones that GM provides. We closely work with um, mayors and the municipalities to understand their needs, and um, they're evolving, that's for sure. Uh, there is congestion that everybody is trying to solve. But for the medium term, and I, I think for the next um, several years, the customer is going to need different ways to access transportation, and it's going to be public transportation, it's going to be access to the vehicles. Again, I think much more access to the vehicles versus ownership in the urban environments, the ride sharing, and ultimately autonomous. So it's a challenging job for the mayors how to plan what you need to plan. But I firmly believe that the technology is now allowing all the services to be so much more efficient that all this money that is going right now into the infrastructure uh, can actually uh, be much more efficient in the future. I think another thing just uh, to I want to bring up, uh, I mentioned the four pillars, the alternative propulsion. Um, the electrification is a very important part of what that future will look like uh, and autonomous future will look like. So uh, building the right um, infrastructure in the cities to allow um, electric vehicles um, to be successful and again to be deployed in the high utilization scenario is um, going to be very important when you think going forward. 
Let me follow up on uh, what uh, the topic John just brought up, though. Uh, I'm sure you saw the study two years ago. Barclays came out and did this projection of how mobility would affect the industry. It predicted that within 25 years, General Motors would have to close half of its assembly plants. Same for Ford, by the way. That's the only two companies they looked at. What's GM's feel about this? Does it think that it's going to have to close plants? Does it think that because we're going to add more mobility for more elements of society, that the miles driven will actually increase? We might need more cars. How does GM look at this? The vehicles are definitely going to evolve. And the first, again, we're coming out with the Bolt at the end of the year, which is the first electric vehicle that takes the range anxiety away because you have 200 miles. It's a great car for both sharing and, again, a good basis for the autonomous vehicles. So it's undisputable that going forward, the portfolio is going to be different and it's going to be designed differently. Um, But there is still going to be a need for a vehicle And uh, that's where I get really excited working for General Motors and working with real assets that you get to deploy in the new inventive way and our customers consuming our products in a new inventive way. So I'm very optimistic that that we're going to have an interesting twist and turns going forward. We're going to learn a lot from our consumers, but um, our assets are going to be deployed um, well. One of the interesting things, I've heard the word urban before from other GM executives um, referring to electrified cars, battery electric specifically. Um, That is not necessarily the view of battery electric cars from other makers. And we now have a model for a nationwide fast charging network so that in fact um, electric cars of various sizes can serve as primary transportation and take you across the country if you want. Um, How does GM... Is GM viewing the role of electric cars solely for mobility purposes, or is it also looking at them for greater reach into standard everyday car duty, whatever that ends up being? Electric cars have uh, benefits not just for environment but for consumers as well to uh, have an opportunity with, um, again, the Bolt with 200-mile range not to fuel it every day. It uh, undeniably has uh, the customer benefits and the retail implications. So we look forward to launching uh, the car here and and, uh, see how it's received. And we're doing the same in Europe under Ampera. Uh, But it's definitely, again, a platform for the mobility in the city, something that gives back to the environment because of the emissions, because um, it's a platform for the future autonomous. So uh, it's a very, very important development, um, and electrification is uh, here to stay and, uh, I would say, grow. I think that there's also an additional opportunity, though, not just in the city, in the urban environments, but in the suburban environments. And I know, like, you know, around southern Connecticut, where I live, thousands of people in the greater metro New York area drive from their McMansion to the same train station every day. And and usually, because you need a parking pass for that town, usually you're driving to the same place and it's like within your town, five five miles away, maybe 10 miles at most. And I see that as a huge opportunity for electric vehicles, where you take somebody, you're driving from the same house to your train station, you're taking the train into the city then. And you can, and then reverse commute. You don't have to recharge that car every night because you're only driving at 10 miles, maybe 20 at most. You can really get through, like like I had a 
Chevy Volt recently. You know, I got 110 miles per gallon. I mean, it was fantastic. And, and doing that kind of back and forth commuting, it was great. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in the suburban market that we need to exploit further with electric vehicles. I don't think we've done that enough yet. And actually, one of the, we did a great article on green car reports, one that surprised me about how there's a Florida town who looked at setting up a bus system for mass transit and instead decided to subsidize car sharing for citizens. Is this getting GM effectively into the mass transit business? This issue is um, mass transit and how it evolves over time is um, is very important one for the city planners for sure. And I do hear a lot that the bus routes are expensive and not efficient. And, and the socioeconomic issues of getting people where they live to work and um, all the other stuff far in between. This is where again the car sharing, the ride sharing, and autonomous solution is going to make the mayors uh, so much more um, thoughtful on the infrastructure and open a lot more opportunities for the inhabitants of the urban environment to move around. Uh, so no question, I, I think this will be a huge enabler for, um, for the growth and development of cities. Julia, where are you, you going to make money on this? In the sense that uh, one reason that Uber seems to be so profitable, they're privately held, we don't know their numbers. They don't own the asset. They do not own the car. Unlike the daily rental companies, they do not have to go out and purchase these cars, put a massive amount of capital into it. They let who's ever driving it do that. Now you're starting to have leases like you're doing, as you mentioned earlier, for the Maven cars. Can you make money at car sharing and ride sharing as a company if you own the asset? Or do you have to push that off on someone else? What I would say on the on the economics and the competitive advantages of um, doing transportation as a service, when you think about inefficiency of peer-to-peer -peer ownership and uh, financing, look at Uber drivers again trying to finance a vehicle on their own, and compare that to the ability for General Motors, who manufactures the vehicle, so we we have competitive access to the asset, we have ability to much more efficiently finance this vehicle than the individual driver. And on top of it, we have a compelling service um, that the customer will want. So uh, when I think about Maven, it's a broad platform that is very scalable for the future. Again, today, car sharing uh, verticals, but it's very scalable. Uh, there is um, a, a lot of reasons why we can be commercially and, and commercially successful in here. One of the reasons I ask that is I know for a fact that Hertz tried a car sharing service in Europe and have failed completely. And the explanation they gave me for the failure was they couldn't figure out how to own the asset and make money on it because they had to put so much capital up front into the program. We use um, all of the competitive advantages that GM affords Maven. Even though we're a startup, um, again, the scale of the General Motors business allows us to uh, have advantage on the portfolio. We are a lot more competitive and fairly unique um, uh, among all of the players out there on the connectivity. We're building a service um, that goes um, behind what we've done on OnStar, which at some point 
point also was a startup, but 20 years ago. Um, the connectivity of the vehicle, the seamless access, and efficiency in ability to, again, manufacture and finance the vehicles, those are all competitive advantages that uh, we are going to utilize. And Rebecca, I wanted to ask you the same thing that I had asked Julia earlier. Uh, how big does this market get? And, and does it eat into the traditional car market? Or is it completely additive? Where do you think it's going? I think that there's, uh, I think there's room for all of these services. And I kind of think of the residential market where you have single family homes, you have apartments, you have condos, you have you know, duplexes, you've got a whole variety of options for people to buy whatever suits them. And I think that you know, we have that same opportunity with mobility. And I think our biggest mistake will be not thinking outside the box on this, of just continuing with the you know, one car, one driver sort of thought process. And, and again, I, I always go back to demographics because you have to understand your consumer. You have to understand who's, who's in the market today and those needs. And, and we also have to think globally on this. You know, we, tend, we can be very geocentric in the US, but we have to look at other opportunities around the world and understand you know, where the, you know, Saudi Arabia's investment in Uber, what impact does that have in the Middle East. We look at opportunities in China, the blah, blah, like all these different things. We have to think about this problem on a global basis. And I was thinking this when you talked about GM closing plants. Maybe they'll rearrange them, they'll repurpose them, and they'll probably open plants someplace else and for another purpose. And so I think we have to really realize that we are looking at companies that are mobility companies, and it's such a catchphrase now, but we do have to rethink the industry. It's not just, it's not just a metal industry, it's not just a brick and mortar industry, we're more than that. No, I think that's a really good point. I think this is going to change the industry as we know it. I think it's already started, and it's only going to gain in change as the years roll in, and I don't mean a whole lot of years. I mean, yeah. it's going to happen very quickly. But with that, we're going to have to wrap this up. I'm going to have to thank you all for joining this discussion today. Julia Stain, the Vice President of Urban Mobility Solutions at General Motors. John Volker, Editor of Green Car Reports. and. Rebecca Lindland, the Senior Director of Commercial Reports for Kelly Blue Book. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much.